for Truth with a Texas Twang, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff women store in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is Luke 2.19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I want to thank Home Instead Senior Care. They recruit the most devoted caregivers. All caregivers are thoroughly screened, extensively trained, professional and reliable, providing senior home care services in your loved one's home. And I also want to remind you that you can sign up for all our free interviews, podcasts, blogs at Kathy, C-A-T-H-Y, Craffy, K-R-A-F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Edward.com. I hope you'll do that. We've had a big, big bunch of people sign up lately. And if you should happen to sign up and it doesn't work properly, I am so easy to find. Just contact me and I'll get that fixed. I'm a little bit dorky on the technology. I'm doing better and and I've learned a ton in the last five years. But just so you'll know, it's not perfection. It's always progress at my house. (laughs) Probably most women can relate to that. I want to welcome Deb. I'm going to say this right, Deb. If you listen to her story, you're going to laugh. I cannot pronounce Deb's name. Deb. D'Armond. D'Armond, I did it. Yay. Yahoo. I bet I mispronounced your name three or four times on that last episode. <laughs> but okay. Anyway, you're so you're such a gracious friend and guest. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Deb, I love your story. If people have missed that, I want them to go to the other episode. I don't know exactly what I'm gonna call it yet. Like but if you're a reader or a writer, you're going to love Deb's story and all that she shares about writing a book with her husband, about all the relationships in her family, about the way God opened doors. I mean, you'll just be so encouraged to hear what she has to share. Okay, but now we get to move on to your wisdom, Deb, and I've been waiting for this. I'm so encouraged by all that you've written. Okay, and I probably should mention I don't usually do this, but I'm going to, I don't usually review bios on the second on wisdom, but I do want people who are listening to hear the names of some of your books related by chance, family by choice. She wrote a book called I choose you today and another one called don't go to bed, angry, stay up and fight. And her most recent book is a compilation with all these great writers in it. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And I have the name of that book right here. And for some reason, ah, here it is. We may be done, but we're not finished making the rest of your life the best of your life. And it's by, I guess this is one thing we have in common. I didn't even think to mention it. Let Elk Lake Publishing publish that book. And they're my friends who published The Well, The Art of Authentic Conversation. So we have all that in common, Deb. We do. We do. I had forgotten that you were an Elk Lake friend. Okay, so... Now, uh, where to begin? I have so much I want to talk to you about. One thing I don't want to miss a chance to talk about, because I'm going to need this, I believe, I hope, someday, I'm praying that I will, 
I don't have any daughters like daughter-in-laws right now. I have a son who's not married and I have two daughters who are married to fabulous son-in-laws. So God has been answering my prayers and I trust that he will do that again for us. But I need good advice from you in advance. I've been praying for this young woman that will someday be my, my son's wife. And you were so good at talking about the, the challenges of that. I wanted to start there. Talk to me about building or fixing relationships in your family, especially when you come from different family backgrounds, like in a marriage situation. Well, I'll tell you that having three sons and now having soon to be eight grandsons, I have lived in the testosterone oh. zone. And <laughs> they, uh, they, ha- they actually, in some ways, really did help me understand what my role was going to be. And so let me tell you first that they married the right women. I have a redhead, a brunette, and a blonde in the group. They are as different as their hair colors. Um, But truthfully, it started when our boys were babies. When they were babies, every night we prayed over them, and we did so um, until they were toddlers. And then as they got older, that was something my husband and I prayed for each week together. We prayed that... um, that God would bring them the right women and that they would recognize those women when they showed up. We prayed for that unknown girl, Father, wherever she is and whatever she's doing tonight, bless her, keep her safe. And if she doesn't yet know Jesus, bring people into her path that will show her that way. So when they began to show up, I recognized them too. And there was a couple Ah. of posers. I'll, I'll be willing to say that I went, Oh, I don't think so, Lord. And those folks, eventually, those those young women were no longer um, on my son's minds, which I was grateful to say. But I am blessed because I love each of these girls more than I can possibly say. They're not wired alike. Their personalities are not similar across the three, and they're different from me. But you know what? We've learned to celebrate and leverage those differences. Um, Things that I don't do well, someone in in our group will. Um, I have a daughter-in-law who loves to organize, and so she's the person at Thanksgiving who takes who takes on tasks I used to hate. Um, wow. We share writing. I share writing together with one of my daughters-in-law. So it, it's it's very very much very very much God-driven from the time they were young. But there's always time to catch up. It's never too late to start, and it's always too early to quit. Believing for the right person for your children. Um, you know, I really loved in your uh, in your book, you uh, you actually so I've read two out of I don't know how many dozens of books you've written, but I've written two of them already. Um, you actually give some uh, some reasons, some of the challenges that that the my generation, the older generation, grandparent people can have, like um, if you have money, like where you borrowed money or loan money. And then yeah. also if, you're, if your daughter or your son begins to talk to you because he's having a, or she is having stress points in the marriage, how do you handle that? I mean, you, you listed a bunch of uh, specific scenarios that can happen in families and you gave some terrific advice about how to manage those. So I, I thought maybe I'd ask you, like, what's your favorite advice in that book for for making fans, because we all get off track. I mean, you can your we kids do. can marry the best best people in the whole world, yep. and still yep. every every day is a new chance to mess up that friendship. <laughs> well, and, and I'll tell you, you're right. And some women have majored in that, and they've used all of them, not just some of them. But 
I think the most important yeah. piece is I know what my role is in their life. I have no illusions about who right. comes first in my boy's life. After God, yes. it is not me. When God brought a woman to Adam in the garden, it wasn't his mama. Okay, that's a yes. clue. And yes. my sons know that. And if your sons know that and protect it, then you've raised him well. And I think the other piece of really important is don't ever put your son in the middle. If a problem, yes. a conflict, something with his wife, have the conversation with her. Because wow, that's he's great advice. Because he loves, he's, he really loves two women. But at the end of the day, yeah. his wife should always win out. And mama's going to have to learn how to deal with that well. And it's just okay. Hard. Think about it. I'm interrupting, but at the, at the, at the, so sometimes when I'm on air with my daughter, she'll ask me questions or she'll tell stories and I'll bite my fingernails, but I'm going to take a chance here and be very vulnerable myself. So my son and I kind of laugh about this, but I have already coached him that when the day comes, I want to hear if you think this was good coaching or not. Okay. Okay. I, when the day, when the day comes, if he realizes in front of me and his wife that I've overstepped, that he needs to tell me in front of her. And that, so I'm coaching him to do that. And then I'm pledging to him that when that day comes, which you know, it will, that I'll say, Oh, thank you. Son. You're so right. So is that, is that good? Or, you know, what do you think about that? I do. I give him that advice? As, as, no, it's great advice. As long as that okay. son can do it in a way that preserves the relationship with both women. So it would sound like, hey, mom, I appreciate your concern about this, but this is a bit of an overstep for you. This is something that we're working on together. If we need counsel or want ideas, we'd be perhaps happy to have you ha join that conversation. But for now... I mean, I, I, I'm going to ask you to step back. He's not okay, vilifying so his mother. He's not, he's not overprotective of his wife. He's protective of the conversation and the relationships, all three of them together. Okay. Sense? So I'm, I'm making a note on my notes right now to get that quote that you just gave me and put it in the blog <laughs> so that I can send it to him so he can read it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if that's manipulative or not, but this is great information. And I knew when I asked you on the show, I was like, Deb is going to be just a fountain of information about this. So I feel a little scared about the future. Like I want to have a great relationship with my daughter-in-law someday. And I feel very reassured to have you on the show to even ask you my most personal questions. So thank you for well, that. Uh, the, the other thing to remember though, is that the mother-in-law, is not always the primary offender. Sometimes daughter-in-laws tend to gravitate to their side of the family. Oh. They assume they'll spend every holiday with her folks. And you know, we've been we've been taught to dislike mother-in-laws. Think about the movies like Everybody Loves Raymond. Yes. And and the monster-in-law. And so yes. a lot of girls have seen their mothers mistreated by their mother's mother-in-law, their grandmother. And they come loaded for mm. bear. Maybe an older sister has a bad relationship with her mother-in-law. And she comes in and she says, he's mine. Step back. You, you're no longer important to him. So there's got to be a way to broker the peace. That's why the book is written to both women, not just to the mother-in-law. Yeah. Well, I love that. We're going to have to go to break. I knew this was going to be fast. Okay, we're not done. When we come back, I want to talk about being on this side of the equation where you're the older mom, your kids are out of the nest. Maybe you're not even that old because you got started like you did as a baby. You were, what, 19 when you got married? So 
no matter what age you are, there's always that moment when you need to take on a new role and be the position of the wise person. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. You can find all this at Kathy Craffy, K-R-A-F-V-E.com. If I run out of time, I want to be sure and tell you Deb, drmond.com. You can also find all the Deb stuff there. Plus, you can find her on Focus on the Family. How great is that? Truth with the Texas Twain. We'll be right back. We don't want to miss a moment at Fireside Talk Radio, so stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. Y'all to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Shinbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door in the next house over is a grocery store. Want to move from coexisting to cherished? From isolated to influential? Hi, this is Kathy. Just for you, we have two books out now devoted to creating better conversations. Life-changing conversational adventures. Marriage Conversations, From Coexisting to Cherished, is 20 chapters packed with easy, practical ideas. This is the book I wrote for my kids. It's brimming over with personal stories and stuff I learned the hard way. Then the well, the art of drawing out authentic conversations explores over 40 different ways Jesus launched the woman at the well from lonely to leadership. You can find our books with our wonderful publishers, Cross River Media and Elk Lake Publishers, at local bookstores or at Amazon.com. Buy two, one to read out loud to your hubby and one to share with a friend. Order yours today and have your own conversational adventures tonight. What if I told you there was a new place for senior care? A place where mom's bathtub recitals are met with rousing applause? Where Lola the Yorkie Poo has the run of the place? A place where corn dogs are on the menu whenever? It's home, where mom built her life. Call Home Instead Senior Care at 1-800-455-CARE or visit homeinstead.com to learn more about in-home services like 24-hour care, memory care, hospice support, and meals and nutrition. Oh, miles and miles of Texas. Yeah. We want to thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. Hey there, I'm talking to Deb D'Armond, and I'm so excited that you're listening in because I just know this is a great episode. I'm learning so much personally, and I feel like it's probably hitting the spot for everybody who had a chance to listen in today. Okay, Deb, before we get too far into this, we're going to be talking a little bit more now. We're going to shift gears because I want to hear more from you about how women can get to a place where some of their responsibilities are raised, their children are raised. And now what do we do? Because even in our in-law relationships, as older, more mature women, we do have a responsibility not only to address concerns with a sweet conversation, to manage our relationships gently and kindly and lovingly, 
But we also have a responsibility to kind of respond to what God has in mind for us. Okay, so with that in mind, I'm going to read a little segment from your second or third or fifth book, the one titled, We May Be Done, But We're Not Finished Yet, Making the Rest of Your Life the Best of Your Life by my sweet friends at Elk Lake Publishing. Okay, so I just pulled one segment. I had a hard time choosing. You really packed this book with great stories from women. The one I'm picking because I identified her with her so much is called Go Ahead and Dance, Phyllis Mantelli. And she she said this. I'm going to read part of it, not all of it. It had been about three years since my mom passed. I was free from the anxiety of a mother who was always in crisis. One daughter was in college and my youngest daughter was headed for high school graduation in a few short years. I had asked God to make me the mom, my mom, my mother could never be to me. He graciously gave me that love. I cherish genuine closeness with my girls. I was 53 years old and the only thing I had ever strived to be was a good mother. Mission accomplished. Now what? Okay, and that is not the end of the story, because here's what I really related to. People that know me know I'm a lot like Piglet and Winnie the Pooh. I'm always afraid, but I just do it anyway. But here's my favorite quote of what Phyllis wrote. She said, I would soon discover my body was weak, but my spirit was willing. Uh, oh, I missed a part. I'm, I, didn't, I didn't catch the part that she said, do it afraid. Ah, I must have cut that out. Oh, no, here it is. Okay, so she wants to go be a a dancer, and she writes this. I was fawn-like on the first day, all wobbly legs flopping across the room. Okay, but here's the quote I wanted to say. If you tell a non-believer you want to dance, write, or begin something new after a certain age, they may discourage you, citing limitations. But here's the part I like. God never limits anyone if he has called us to it. I often tell people, do it afraid. Okay, that's the beginning of our conversation. Talk to me about doing things when you're afraid, but you're an older, more mature woman. Well, whether you're afraid or you're just aware that you're not as young as you used to be, God's not yeah. an ageist. He's just, he's not an ageist. And yes, somebody said, How, you know, I feel kind of like raising my kids and getting them off through college or into career opportunities and watching them marry and have a family. I feel like that was really my mission that God called me to all those years. And now I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Am I done? And I've always said, if you're Ah. still here, you're not done. God's not done with you. I mean, think about Methuselah. He was the oldest man in the Bible recorded, but he was still helping Noah with that whole boat building thing right up until (laughs) the time he died. And so there is a different, there's a different call on our life. God wants us to invest what we've learned. I mean, face it, by the time you reach your 50-plus years, you've learned some things, some things that worked, some things that didn't work, some good paths, some not so great. You now have the time to invest those in others. Now, you know, Ann Landers and Dear Abby, for that generation who will remember, they just did it in the newspaper and assumed everyone was interested. Not everyone will be interested. But we have so many things left to do. The truth is that for lots of us, we've sat across the table after our children have left the home, look at that man and say, what's your name? I haven't called you anything except dad for years. (laughs) And they're really not certain what that next stage of life looks like. And for many, 
they look back and realize, man, there's a lot of unchecked items on that 25-year-old do list that I made that was supposed to cover my life. But sometimes they find it difficult to believe they still could or they don't know where to get started. And something new and or different is just overwhelming for so many people. Okay. That's a great place to interject something because I don't want to miss a chance to talk to you about self-talk. One of my pet peeves is I'll I'll say something that I know is true about me. I'm in my 60s. Good heavens. I know myself. There are things I'll never be good at. And I'll say it out loud. And a younger woman, woman often they'll correct me and they'll say, oh, you shouldn't use negative self-talk. And I'll think, I, you know, what do you say to that? I just let it go. But in my heart, I think I'm not even being negative. I'm just being truthful and I'm okay with it because sitting next to me, like you said earlier, your one of your daughter-in-laws is a gifted administrator and takes over some of the Thanksgiving chores. Sitting next to me is a woman who has the skills I will never have. And I'm so grateful. I don't mind being weak in some area. I, I'm grateful for the giant people that God puts in my life to help me. So talk to me about self-talk. Like when is it negative? When it is when is it limiting? And when it when should we let it go and do the thing that we think is too hard for us but so perfect for God to do in our lives? Well, I know that self, negative self-talk is often what it's called, but when I'm working with my clients and coaching process, I call them limiting yeah. beliefs. It's ah. what we're saying to ourselves about ourselves. And, you know, in the mouth of two or three witnesses is what the word says. If you hear it often enough, you begin to believe even your own bad report. And it it sometimes comes from experiences we've had in our past when people said, you're going to be a writer. I don't think so. When did you? (laughs) You didn't go to college for that. That's ridiculous. How old are you? You're in your 50s, late 50s? Oh, give that up. Publishing is a really tough business. We always just fold up our tents and go home. But there's an offset to it. And that's transforming truth. Limiting beliefs and transforming truth. And it simply is to turn that limiting belief, like I I am too old to write a book, to a transforming truth. You're never too old to write. Ask many of the Old Testament (laughs) um, (laughs) writers. Yeah, or just... Or just something simple like, maybe I am thinking I'm too old for this, but God is looking at me differently than I look at myself even. And and that's such a key, right? He wants to use my weakness. Yes, that's such a key because how God sees us and how we see us almost never lines up. Um, We give ourselves extra credit for good intentions, which he does not. And we sometimes fail to understand (laughs) the value of the contributions that we've made. And so, or the skills that we've built. Mm -hmm. I I don't believe God wastes time in our life. I look back on my Mm -hmm. former career and say, what on on earth possibly in that career ever prepared me to write? Well, I wrote instructional Mm -hmm. design materials. I understood the structure of good writing. I also learned how to deal with a variety of people um, at all levels. So from publishers Mm -hmm. down to first line editors, Um, all of those, all of that information, it's not outdated. It's not no longer useful. It just needs to be reapplied in a different pattern. And so Mm -hmm. if we're brave enough to ask God, what is it that you want me to do at this stage of my life? Be ready for an answer. I I think too many people are making retirement plans when they ought to be making longevity plans. When my boys left, I had a a friend who said to me when my youngest to marry, my last one to marry, said, aren't you heartbroken? They're all married there. I said, hey, listen, 
it's it's proof that I did a good job. They're supposed to go. They're supposed to do these things. And candidly, with that last one, I thought, I'm going to start scouting prospects myself. I was afraid there might be no one to take him off my hands. Because success, success for them was to build a life. Success for me was to continue to follow what God's plan was for me at this time in my life. Well, and I think, I think that that's the key is there's so many women. I'm sorry I interrupted you. That's okay. I, I just said that's key, priceless. Okay, so I think for me one of the keys is that um, so many women have are following after a mother. Like, I think that's why I really love what Phyllis wrote. I, in my mm-hmm. book, I invite people just to adopt my mother because she was so great. And mm-hmm. there's women all around us that are really terrific. And so if you haven't had the leadership that you needed on your own mom, it's okay to look around and find other moms in your life that can be spiritual moms mothering you in a way that is healthy and good. And I hope that you're aware that you can do that if you're listening in today and and really seek that. And I think at our age, I I find that women, maybe you can tell me, Deb, if this has been your experience too. If you ever mention the word mentor to somebody that's older, they kind of panic, like they're they're afraid to even try to mentor anyone when really they have the skill set. And we need more women mentoring other women in a culture right now, and there are a lot of women suffering because they didn't have mothers that they could follow very easily. So tell me how you view that. Yeah, I I really agree with you. Um, Mentoring is, whether it's called mentoring or coaching or whatever it's called, it's it's a, uh, well, Ruth and Naomi, uh, Naomi mentored or coached Ruth on behavior when when, um, they landed in her home, uh, her, her family of origin. But I think that one of the things that scares people is like, oh, I don't have this unlimited well of wisdom. Then, well, here's the deal. Only God does. And so yeah. a couple of tips for those who are feel like maybe they might, might be drawn to mentoring or someone's asked them to, to do that. Remember that there's a couple of important skills, and all of us have this one. We can all listen. If you have two ears and, and your hearing mm-hmm. works, you can listen. The challenge is that we have to um, listen in a way that doesn't immediately cause us to prescribe a solution, but to understand where are they, how, how what do they need to be um, moved along? How might I help them deal with this disappointment or take advantage of an opportunity? You listen to that well, and then you say, well, what do you think your first step is? Instead of giving the advice, ask yeah. questions. Because how okay. I did it and how this person did it could be very different. Well, I love it that we're ending on this note. This is such great advice. I love good questions. I'm so glad you thought to include that here as we go to the end. I want, I want if you're listening in today, I want you to know this is Deb D'Armond that we've been listening to. She has credentials a mile long, but after listening to her, you know how down to earth she is. I know you're going to want to find her. You can find her at debdarmond.com or you can find her on Facebook and she spells Deborah. D'Armond, the right way, as her mother used to say, <laughs> with the D-E-B-O-R-A-H. Did I spell that right correctly, Deborah? Oh, you did indeed. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening in. This is Truth with a Texas Twang. Thank you for joining us today where we speak truth with a Texas twang about the very things that touch our hearts. 
thank you for joining us today and we will see you again next week. Oh.